Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine, Jonathan Christian. And Jonathan and I actually met at a conference. We were sitting next to each other at a table at a conference in London. We we reached out to each other and said hello and found out we had an incredible amount in common. And Jonathan is the CEO and founder of a company called We Make Stuff Happen, which is located out of Canada. It's a Canadian-based firm that's into digital marketing and training entrepreneurs and small to medium-sized business owners to overcome their marketing challenges and share their stories with enthusiasm and passion for maximum effect. And so he's really committed to empowering entrepreneurs and nonprofits and businesses on how to be successful and to maneuver and, and work and use social media to its best effect. And so I thought he would be an amazing guest to have here on the podcast. And I want to welcome Jonathan. Hey, thank you for my friend. Yeah, I remember that day in London, England, my old hometown. Great to connect and said, ah, this guy's in New York. Oh, he must be cool. And of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try to be cool. So one of the things that I just I just recently read on your website that I thought was really interesting and I didn't know about you was that you say that you began your social media kind of journey after kind of a, a mishap that you had. Do you want to yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of part of my brand now. Is I have this scar from here to here, if anybody's watching on video, um, where I had to have some major neck surgery from a car accident. It was 2008. It was, it's interesting that everybody's going through this terrible 2020. And for me, their 2020 was my 2008. And uh, it's given me a real ability to help people dig deep and push through because of what I went through. And what I went through was, a, I guess, the trifecta of a perfect storm. Um, 90% of my business as a consultant in 08 was with one client. Bad idea, but it was. And the way the industry went, he just, he just dropped his marketing. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's six, six figures just gone. And then at the same time, my mom passed away from cancer, mm. which was a much bigger deal for me than I appreciated until it happened. And I was at a red light just waiting to pull off. And this guy jumped the light uh, coming the other way and plowed into my car with my daughter and I. And a couple of minutes later, I've got this ambulance guy trying to extract me from this mangled mess of metal. And um, I badly herniated the back of my neck, which could not be fixed no matter what they tried. So the only answer was live in chronic pain or get surgery. So I have a titanium neck. If you x-ray me, I look like the Terminator. It's pretty cool. And um, it works brilliantly well now. But the reality of the surgery was it had to get worse before it got better. So I almost had 12 months of active rehab. Mm. So I'd lost my main client. I lost my confidence by losing the matriarch in my life. I then lost the ability to work because I couldn't network because this is the day, you know, and everything was done face to face. And uh, it was one of those, this is not a good year. So 2009 was my rebuild year, both for my business and my brand and uh, myself, because I had to do something completely different to stand out. And that's how We Make Stuff Happen came out. I was in the Vancouver Club at a sales workshop. A good friend of mine, Howard Olson, donated to me because he knew I was broke. And it was all about, you know, just who are you? What makes you stand out? And he said, of all the consultants that I've worked with, he said, you're one of the few guys that would take off his jacket, roll up his sleeves. This is you know, the dress code of the day. And, and do it, right? Most people just fill a big binder, send in the binder and say, there's my 15 grand, you know, pay me. He said, you don't do that. He said, you're the guy that makes things happen. He said, there you go. 
I went, hmm, things happen. You know, I kind of am, but you know, life's all about people and stuff. It doesn't really matter what the stuff is, provided it has value and integrity and you get the people part right. I could make stuff happen. I went, there you go. So um, I'm on GoDaddy, you know, in the middle of Vancouver Club, 2000, November 2000. Eight it was, and um, we make stuff happen.com. Best nine bucks I ever spent. <laughs> wow, that's a great URL. You're a lucky man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, talk to what was the evolution of the, you know, the genesis of that? So, you got your URL, and then how did you start? You have a very robust digital ecosystem and kind of octopus arms that go out that I'm sure we're going to get into and talk about. Yeah, but yeah. In the initial genesis of that, kind of what did you start with? And then well, how did you piece sure. those pieces together? So I'm sitting at my dining table and I have my white MacBook, which was cool at the time. All you had to do was like take that out of your bag, put it on somebody's desk. And it's like, oh, they have a Mac, right? And I had my BlackBerry at the time. And uh, this is way pre-iPhone. And I, one day I'm just looking at my MacBook and my BlackBerry. And I'm like, these are my new tools. This is all I have to work with. And I created a Facebook page long since because that was the best way to communicate with my mom in England and share photographs of the kids. And I'm literally looking at Facebook thinking, this is, this is the future. Or if I was in a, if I watched Mandalorian, it's like, this is the way. And I'm like, this is the way. This is, this. I, I, I just had this gut instinct that this was where things were going to end up through Facebook, through this screen, through this phone, which wasn't a great phone at the time. And I just went all in. So I opened up a Twitter account. I set up my LinkedIn profile. I created a YouTube channel. And every day, my job, because I didn't have any client work, was to learn and to then share that learning. So within a few months, I got picked up by an e-zine called Marketing Dangerously. And in 09, I was a social media expert. <laughs> before social media was really a thing. And I was like, what is Twitter? What is a retweet? What is a YouTube channel? What is a playlist? And every week my blog was a what is. And unbeknownst to me, because I was doing it because I was learning because I had to fill my day with something. I didn't realize how many people went, you know about this stuff? I've been curious. Is this not just for kids? Could you come in? Could you explain to us, you know, why we would should why we should be thinking about this. And I started selling $500 consults at the time. And I said, I only have seven. And that was my first income in almost 12 months. And I sold them out in the first week. And truthfully, the rest is history. And I'm still learning, still loving it. And people are still coming and saying, could you just tell me why we, should, why we should be on Instagram? Is that really for us? And that's still what we do on a bigger scale, but that's it. Yeah. So what's the, what is kind of a typical engagement look like for you? Is that an in-person or well, Zoom consult? Is it a, is it a day? Is it a few hours? What's your deliverable? Well, what, what I found is my octopus ecosystem, as you said, is pretty much doing that work for me. So between my social media now and my website, uh, by the time people come to me, nine times out of 10, they've already decided they need my help. So my sales process is tiny and I'm so confident about the value that I bring that I have no problem articulating the price that I charge. It just, it feels so natural now because I know the difference it, it'll make. And if they're committed and they're willing to do the work and I feel that there's a fit between me and them and that's, some big, that's the biggest criteria. It's like, do I want to work with this person? Mm -hmm. Do I get a good vibe? And if the answer is yes and I give them the price and normally it's like, okay, when can you start? They don't even think about it because they know they need it. They know I'm a proven professional that's done it for a long time and I'm living it every day. And I think that's the biggest difference. So when um, I'll do a Zoom call like this, I'll always record it for the person. I'll send them a copy. I'll have it transcribed, uh, even if they don't work with me. It just is my pay it forward gift to them. And out of that, 
my whole team's got a, a head start because they can all watch that Zoom call if uh, if we decide to work with this person. I've got my notes because invariably you're probably like me, very creative in, in, in the minute and quite often a lot of the ideas I have, I hadn't even thought about until they come out because we're just in that flow and I already got it recorded. Um, quite often the strategy is already built in that first hour um, before we even start. And then that's typically a six month engagement. Um, but we have clients now six, seven years still with mm-hmm. us, uh, consistently coming back for more help or asking us to do it all for them. We have a whole done for you division now, which um, been very grateful for. And that changed a lot with COVID. A lot of clients sort of bailed on us because they just didn't have the income for us to do it for them. Big mistake in my mind because you know, it's time to ramp up your social yeah. and they're trying to do it themselves. Some of them have done okay, actually. Um, but the other side of our business, the, 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 the web side of the business, the online marketing side of the business has grown exponentially since COVID. So lose on this side, but gain on this side. And it's, it's nice that we don't have all of our eggs in one digital basket, if you like, for revenue now. And I'm grateful for that. And it's proven to be a pretty good strategy. What do you think the biggest, I mean, if you had to generalize across your client base, what is the biggest thing that they are struggling with right now in dealing with, you know, promoting businesses in the digital world? What I love about what's happened in the last five, six months is it's almost accelerated us five or six years in terms of where businesses need to be. And a lot of the businesses, they had a passive website, they had a passive social media because they didn't really need it. But now because of the face-to-face piece is gone, now it's like, holy crap, this is the only thing we have left. So it's made them commit in a way that they weren't ready to before. But the biggest struggle that I still find with most entrepreneurs in business is they don't want it to be about them. They struggle to tell their own story. And the reality of it is it's the story that converts more than anything else. And it's what people remember. So yes, you want a gorgeous brand. You would need a website that speaks the truth, that, that shows people where the issues are and how you can help them. But if they don't get who you are as a person, if they don't get your like digital DNA, what, what makes you get up in the morning and serve people, how are they going to pick you out of a, a whole myriad of other people that say they do the same thing? It's the story. And my biggest uh, joy, but also my biggest struggle is getting these people to be vulnerable enough, which is why my brand is my neck. Uh, to tell a story because if I can do it, they can do it. And that's the hardest thing still is getting people to get out of their closet and, and be real and be raw and be vulnerable. But when people see that, then they want to work with them. Yeah, I think that, you know, Jonathan, just as branding guys, one branding guy to another, one of the things that I see a lot of with companies is that a lot of times they come right out of the gate on their website or on their social talking about themselves and Mm -hmm. they don't address the needs of the consumer that much or take a consumer focused or a problem solution focused kind of uh, customer journey aspect of communication particularly creative professionals out of a tendency to have a website say, you know, I went to this school, this is my portfolio, this is what I do, I know Photoshop, I blah, 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 blah. And so they're not addressing what that potential, you know, customer coming yes. to their website is actually looking for, what their problem is that they're trying to solve. But I believe yeah. you're totally right that that the biggest struggle a lot of people have is being, you know, accepting that level of vulnerability and exposing that level of vulnerability in themselves, their true selves. Yes. But this is a, you know, it's a marriage that has to happen between how you help and who you are. Yes. And how do you see that kind of manifesting itself? Do you see that kind of back and forth struggle? I do. And, and, and the thing is, um, with any business, I mean, so what makes you different? And say, so, well, we have 
awesome customer service. Well, I should hope so. We bring great value for money. Well, I should hope so. Um, we, we have the fastest supply chain. Oh, okay, that's a little different. And, and with brand creatives, it's like, oh, well, I went to university, I can do Photoshop, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm adept. It's like, well, I should hope so, because that's already a given. What tell, tell me what makes you different. Tell me what makes you, you, because I wouldn't be even talking to you if I didn't already know that you knew your stuff because I've seen your portfolio. I like it. You just need to convince me why I'm picking you over somebody else. And so yes, credentials and all of the experience should go with that. It should speak for itself. You shouldn't have to lead with it and you should own it and be proud of it. But really it's, I still come back. It's that digital DNA. It's like, what makes you the right person for me? And invariably it's a story that connects. There'll be a piece of that story that someone's saying, I can relate to that. Yeah, I think this person could get me. Which why I don't dye my hair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my kids kids did it twice and and my wife went honey i went yeah i know wait it's your time. kids dyed your hair twice <laughs> i had three girls and it was they thought it was so fun it meant to be the salt and pepper box of color and oh i thought they went like fuchsia or something you know no no just, just <laughs> restoring the original brown from way back and and in the end i went you know what so i, I pretty much got a buzz cut got rid you of it, accept and, it and just it is what it is but now i mean i'm 55 i'm not old or young or anything i'm i'm in my prime but these count you know when people see the gray hairs they do I mean, count they do because they know you've had some life and i'm not saying that a 25 year old hasn't had a lot of life because i'm finding now with my youngest is 22 my goodness what she's experienced in the last five years probably would have taken me 15 because mm. kids are just so grown up so fast these days and because of digital media they can experience anything in a heartbeat and um not always a good thing i think kids grow up a little quick these days but yeah hey, but yeah the story counts so one thing you mentioned just a little bit back there was that you said that when people and i've experienced this as well and uh, is that when people come to you they already know that they want to work for you and that is something i've always trumpeted in terms of the value of content marketing is because people if you do expose yourself people do get to know you it's not like they're trying to check you out and see if you know what you're talking about or you have three heads or you can speak a full sentence, you know? Mm -hmm. And so talk a little bit about that. Do you pass that on that, um, that, that power of content marketing as a business development tool to your clients? I really do. I really do. I have a kitchen cabinet client who is uh, the shyest guy you will ever meet. Hates people. No, excuse me. He loves people. He hates meeting new people in case they don't like him, mm. truthfully. And um, we all want to be liked, right? But at the same time, he's had this cabinetry business for over 30 years. Same shop. I mean, it's bigger now and developed, but same shop that he started at when he left school, making custom furniture. Now he makes custom kitchens. And when you see his shop and you look at his workshop and you see some of the stuff on the walls and he's walking around, it's like, yeah, I bought this off my dad because he owned the whole block and I, I bought this unit. I was 19 years old. We just got married and this was my first lathe and I still have it. It's like, Ken, this, this is it. Your passion is your wood. Your passion is this building because you've been here for 30 something years. Dude, just tell that story and that totally differentiates you from the Ikea's and the Home Depot's and all the other places that they could go and get cabinets. They're buying Ken's cabinets because your body and soul is in the shop. Mm. And and they don't even realize that. They take it for granted that, well, that's, it's not just like normal. It's like, no, it's not. There's a lot of shysters out there. There's a lot of people who just want to make money. You want to create kitchens to give families the experience of, we all know how much a kitchen is part of the home, the selling process, the family process. That's that's your digital name is creating these great kitchens that work for families. It's like, really? Yeah. 
I can see it more than he can say it. And I can almost, with my clients, articulate their story back to them better than they can initially. And when they see that you believe in them, probably often more than they believe in themselves, that's when the hiring process is such a slam dunk. It's not that you're going to gouge them because of that, but at that point, it's a, such a no-brainer that you get them almost before they get themselves. And helping them tell that story is, and I get paid to do that. Awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. When you, you dig in in that discovery call when you're first meeting a client and you're trying to uncover that story and some people are, don't see the value in it, how do you get in there and ask those right questions to you know, uncover that, the differentiating factor when you have a new client? I, I, um, I, I often lead with my own stories first. So everybody, if anybody looks at me online will know that I've been married 33 years, that I have three grown children, that I'm you know, a, a resident of a place called the Isle of Man that I'm very proud of, that I moved to London, that I took my whole family to Canada with a one-way ticket. They all know that story because I tell it a lot. They all know the story about my neck. They all know the story about how I nearly died in a, in a camp uh, when I was speaking to kids because of a windstorm. All these stories, you know, I... Wait, wait, I wait, wait, wait. We got to... Oh, that's oh. the story we have not told yet. What is that story? Oh. Um, I do a lot of speaking and I, I'm a faith-based kind of guy. And I was on the board of directors for something called Camps BC, which is five summer camps that are owned by a group of churches. And um, part of my commitment to the board was I would go visit these camps. And I love to tell stories. So unbeknownst to me, I became a pretty good camp speaker. And for five years, I would spend most of my summers donating my time, staying in a cabin or a tent and motivating kids to, to just be who they could be in, in the summertime. Uh, one of the, 2012, actually, I was at a camp, uh, day six of seven, um, this windstorm blew through the camp, like a hundred year windstorm. And it was called the Pines, the Pines Bible Camp. And in less than 10 minutes, 330 trees were either uprooted or snapped. Oh. Decimated the camp in like 10 minutes. And one of those freaky storms. And one of those trees, Douglas fir, literally cut my cabin in half and I wasn't in it. It was wow. one of those days I, I had to go to town. There was no Wi-Fi at the camp. I was Skyping with clients. I was driving back. I pulled over to check my voicemail because I knew that exactly the last point in the road where cell signal was before it stopped. And as I'm in the, my car, the storm blew over my car. And I didn't realize what magnitude storm it was until I started driving and seeing all these telegraph poles like across the road and wow. wires arcing and it's like, and I know that any other night, other than that night, I was sitting at my desk at exactly that time, finishing my talk for that night. And I totally, totally believed that I, I missed a bullet that day. Yeah. And I drove home. It was like a nine hour drive from where I live. Um, and I kept on to stop because I was in tears because one of the little campers was actually killed um, oh. during, so could have been so many more. It was a miracle that it was only one and there was very few injuries other than this too. But um, what was fascinating, sorry, short story long, but... One of the reasons I went to this camp was to convince a program director that he needed to be on Facebook and he was not convinced with kids and all of that. And on a Wednesday, we created this Facebook account. It was three likes, me, the program director and the executive director, three. 
Two days later, after this event, 850, because Facebook was the only platform that they had to tell the world what was going on at the camp, because the power was out. You know, it was all through my phone. It's the only way we had to communicate. And as I'm driving back, I, I suddenly realized that that digital difference was the lifeblood of the camp. That's how we raised $2 million to rebuild it. But I realized, oh my gosh, this isn't just a, a job anymore. This is a purpose. I'm getting chills here, but I, I should have died that night. I should have, my cabin was literally cut in half. I have pictures of me outside that cabin with my foot on the stump, like Captain Morgan saying, "Wow, this was my nemesis. And I realized that my business was a lot more than a business that day. And um, ever since then, I know this is my purpose in life is to help people tell a story in life. I know that at a much deeper level than making mon making money or having fun. I think that's amazing that you said that you started the Facebook page with, I want to, I want to circle back to this point though. Yeah. You started the Facebook page that weekend with three likes and that Facebook account was responsible for the fundraising drive that rebuilt that camp. So it was like the camp got destroyed. You built yeah. that, you know, fortuitously the Facebook yeah. account into that weekend. And yeah. that account was what was responsible for bringing the camp back to life. Yeah. Yeah. And when, and when people know that kind of story, and I, I, I share it every year and you'll, you'll hear it at some point, I'm sure. When I go to meet them, like you've done your research, they already know a lot about me and they say, oh, so tell me about such and such. And, and invariably they're asking me the questions about me and it's not about me, it's about them, but they're just getting the comfort factor that I am who I say I am. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, and I'll say, so do you have kids? You know, do you, you know, do you have a spouse? You know, what, how do you do life? Because uh, I never want to assume that you know, I, I have so many different scenarios of clients now, sort of divorced, same-sex marriage. Who knows what, what I'm going to walk into? I don't, right? Although I try and get a good idea from social media beforehand. So by them hearing my story um, puts them at ease. So they're much, and then like within a half an hour, it's like AA. <laughs> they're telling me the whole world, you know, about them and where they're at and what they're struggling with. And within an hour, it's like, what? But we're good buds, confidential good buds and, and business gets done. Yeah. Simple as that. So at the beginning, I, you know, when you were talking about three likes, whenever people talk about that, I, I, when I share with my community or when I share online about, you know, using social media, a lot of people, the biggest hurdle they have is accepting the fact that they have to show themselves either, mm -hmm. you know, through sound or writing or on video. And that just starting is the biggest hurdle. But once you start that journey of discovery and the journey of growth starts, when I started my YouTube channel, I, I put a couple of videos up and I went on Facebook and said to all my, and this was just, I didn't even have a business Facebook account. I was just my personal one. And I said mm -hmm. to all my friends and family, just go on and subscribe to my channel. You never have to watch a single video. I just don't want to be so lame that I have absolutely zero subscribers. And I got, I think, 75 subscribers. Yeah. And they probably, no one ever watched a video, but that was, that's what got me off of that hurdle, over that hurdle of starting. And then, you know, I put in the time, the commitment over years and years and years to build that. But so what do you do to motivate your clients to get over that hurdle of just starting? Do you have clients that come to you that are saying, I want to do this, but, you know, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I, you know, how do I, how do you get them over that hurdle? Yeah. Well, I, th I think the biggest thing is, is I call these now vanity metrics. And I like how Instagram has now stopped the count. It says yeah. liked by Philip Van Dusen and others. So like, and what does the others mean? It's like the LinkedIn 500. I mean, that's maximum number of contacts anybody will ever see. Um, but what I say to people is, you know, just because they don't comment or like or, or share doesn't mean to say they haven't read. And if you go into Facebook Insights, that blue bar is like, 
the best thing I ever see because that shows how many people opened the post. And when I show them in the back end, you know, Google search, you go to insights on Google My Business and you see how many times your company comes up in search rather than how many people go to your website. And it's like, really? I had a nursing home this month, 668 visits to the website, 10,374 lines of search on Google in the same month. So it's all about eyeballs. And when they realize that people are looking, but they may not say anything, then they realize this is worth it. I said, you know what? Even if they're not looking today, what you've just done is you created a digital footprint of your message and they can go back and find it. And that's what SEO is all about, is this digital footprint. And the more they tell a story, the more content you create, the more likelihood you're going to get found. I said, oh, you know what? You can go back to Yellow Pages. You go create a you know, quarter page newspaper ad if you want. I guarantee you no one's going to see it. Or you can do this same time and energy into social media. And I can pretty much guarantee that at some point soon, someone's going to see it. It's your choice. And at that point, it's like, okay, get it. And that's one of those huge, huge differentiators. I was just doing another uh, podcast interview recently. And the people, person I was talking to mentioned the 99.91 scenario, which I is mm -hmm. very interesting. Described it as of the hundred people online, ninety not ninety, sorry, ninety nine and one. Ninety of them are lurkers, right? They're just going <laughs> on. They're just looking. Yeah. Nine of them actually contribute. They may like. They may comment. They may you know type a type a comment. Only one percent, and I would say it's probably even smaller than them, mm -hmm. are actually contributors. People who are actually posting content and adding value in some way or another to the ecosystem. Yeah, I would say you could probably do that ninety-nine-one uh, count with businesses too. Yeah, and when I talk to business, I'm like the surest way to differentiate yourself and establish yourself in in a in a more valuable and deeper way is to actually create content. It's a very but it's that starting mechanism that is the hardest thing to get them over. Yeah, yeah, and and invariably, what I do when I first start working with people is I'll create some of those posts for them. I'll be an admin on their page. I'll have the Twitter account, their Instagram login. And I'll create some pages, posts for them, maybe in draft, and I'll show them. I said, so if I were you, this is what I'd say. Said, well, that's really good. Can you just post that for me? Sure. So I'll lead them in quite often by doing some of the work for them just to oh. show them how that works. And because a lot of it, they'll just stare and stare and prevaricate and, and do nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, no, 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 no. Remember this? We make stuff happen. Yeah. We do. <laughs> just so we're doing it. <laughs> just hit post. Hit that right? submit button. Yeah. That's the and hardest you can thing. go back. You can edit. You know, there is right. always going to be a typo. There's always going to be something, the photographs upside down. So don't worry, go back and change it. Worst you can do is delete it. Yeah. Nobody's going to die. Well, and Instagram and Twitter, I mean, the life, the life, uh, you know, expectancy of any single post is, you know, an Instagram, maybe 15 minutes, Twitter, Absolutely. like 10 seconds, you know, yeah. it's already gone in the feed. I have this saying I say all the time, which is out of feed, out of mind. You basically oh, have I to like continually that. show up. Yes. Um, or you will be out of mind. Um, I, I, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, the, you have, you do work for clients, but then you also have a very broad uh, kind of educational platform where mm -hmm. you're doing educational programs, you do online boot camps, you do a mastermind group called your, I think, inner circle meetups. Talk a little bit about that, you know, that community um, generation and that educational aspect of, of your business, how that fits into yeah, the whole thing. Totally. It's been a huge part, actually, about almost 40% of our business now. I grew my business out of, I bootstrapped it out of 
deep debt from my accident. And um, by the time I got to 2012, I was doing quite okay. I was making a good living wage for my family. By 2014, I realized there was not another hour in the day that I could sell. And it's like, okay, I either grow or I stay as I am and accept you know, where I'm at, but that's not who I am. So I started to look at how I could leverage my time best. And I realized that the best way to do that was through a, a webinar strategy with um a group program that I sold people into. I didn't know how to do that. So I joined a mastermind, um, a very expensive, well, no, I wouldn't say expensive, a high ticket mastermind, I'll call it that, to learn how to leverage my time, to learn how to see how other people who are doing six, seven figure months on launches, it's like, because you, when you're putting your out, yourself out there on webinars and when you're putting yourself out there as the teacher, the guru, the expert, whatever, it's a whole mindset shift. You know, it's one thing to be a solopreneur working out of your home to doing great work, but when you're in front of the camera and you're selling yourself and people don't know you, that's a mind shift. And I needed to change that mindset. So I did. I joined this mastermind. Within five months of the mastermind, I did my very first webinar. I created a $15,000 program and I sold 10. Blew me away. I did six months of income in one month. And I went, oh my gosh, this is the mother load. And for the last almost five years now, we've been creating course content. We have four different courses now that we build and deliver and we keep updating them. I don't sell them digitally. Maybe I should, I probably should, but I just find that social media is evolving so much, especially this year, that I have to deliver them live to give the best value. And maybe that's something I just do. I'm not saying I have to do it, but I know when I'm doing it live and they show up and there's accountability, I can make sure that it works for them. And now it's like 40% of our income and it's leveraged. Just done another uh, group mastermind right now. I have another 10 businesses. My favorite time of the week, two hours a week. I get to spend with 10 businesses, super profitable from a, a time perspective for me, but super fun because they're getting the best of me at a much lower ticket price than it would if it was one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And I'm leveraging my time and helping. To, and it's created this ecosystem in that Facebook group of these 10 businesses are all helping each other out now. And it's like the best thing ever. Really? So you have a mastermind that you, which are business people and you yeah. are more the leader and it's, for the most part, it starts off with you, information coming from you going out to these, yeah. to these yeah. businesses. They pay 15,000, whatever. Is it, is it time bound or is it ongoing as a subscription model? Uh, well, um, both, uh, quite often the time. So this is a six month mastermind right now that we're running. Um, I do a six week bootcamp. I do a eight week content marketing course as well. But it's never enough. And it's never bait and switch at all. It's just the more we get to know people, the more ideas come out. So they might buy the bootcamp and then buy the power content. And then it's like, okay, now what? Which is why we created Inner Circle. So that they're around with me every single week because I have a virtual cup of coffee every Thursday at 10. Done it for five years now. Replaced my meetup, if you like, because uh, uh, I was fed up with people wanting to tap my brain for free. And now I'm finding that um, people are coming back for the second year, even though that I pretty much give them all I can give. They love the community. They love the closeness. They love the comfort factor of having me on speed dial almost. Mm -hmm. And um, people come back and keep reinvesting because they, it's a safe place. And it's also a creative place that um, like Facebook has just come out with Facebook Business Suite yesterday. I shared it with my group. I, I can't even access it yet. Um, it's not here in Canada. It will be by the end of the month. But they don't have to then go and learn what's new. They just trust us as a company to bring to them what they should be doing. And there's real value in committing to a company that constantly tells them what they need to do, need to know and need to do, rather than trying to work it out for themselves. And this model is still evolving, but it's, it's a great model. Hey, everyone. I'm sure you've heard lots of marketers and creative pros and content creators say these words. Everything is going to video. 
So if you aren't already doing video, you really should be. But don't be fooled, creating great video can be hard and super time consuming, but it doesn't have to be. I have an amazing resource my team and I use for YouTube videos and my agency's client work that totally rocks. It's called InVideo, I-N-V-I-D-E-O. InVideo is an online video editor that helps you make professional looking videos from a huge collection of templates, images, and music available to use royalty free in your videos right on the platform. Within video, you can stop spending thousands of dollars on outsourcing video creation and motion graphics. You can speed up and improve your video creation and editing process with their video templates and easy to use interface. There's no need to spend months learning Adobe Premiere or Apple's Final Cut Pro anymore. Just go to this URL, bdmpodcast.com slash invideo. That's bdmpodcast.com slash invideo. And just for listeners of the BDM podcast, if you use the promo code PHILIP50, that's P-H-I-L-I-P 50, you'll get a 50% discount. What? Yes. Listeners of the podcast are going to get a 50% discount by using Philip 50. So make sure to check out NVIDIA today. It'll make your video production and effects a whole lot easier. Just go to bdmpodcast.com slash NVIDIA. That's bdmpodcast.com slash NVIDIA. And now back to the show. So you talked about, you know, when people are coming to you as the guru or you are the one who has, the, you're the wealth of knowledge that essentially people <laughs> yes. are either yeah. basking in or using as using you as a conduit to expand their network mm-hmm. and their, and their knowledge base. When people are uh, beginning to put out content, some people who are just starting or are earlier on in their careers than you and I say, you know, how they have imposter syndrome. How can I share anything that's of value to anybody else? I, you know, I, I don't feel like a guru. And I generally tell people there is someone who is two steps behind you. And if Mm -hmm. you can just help the person, I mean, you could have just gotten out of school and you could say, I'm going to help the person who's still in school. If you're in school, I'm going to help the person who's in high school, who's thinking of going to school. You know, if this is your your third business, you think about the person who has two, has had two businesses. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, how do you communicate that in terms of the just starting mechanism when it comes to people sharing content? Yeah, I'll tell you the story. Um, I worked for my dad as a family business when I left school and I wanted to make good money. And I said to my dad, um, I want a raise. He went, I'm not giving you a raise. You'd get paid already. I went, but I need more money. He said, well, go sell more. I said, what do you mean? We used to sell loft insulation um, back in the day. And he went, I'll tell you what, um, every sale that you bring in, I'll give you 10%. And by the way, add 10% to the sale because uh, I I need the margin. I went, okay. So I, I, I cold called because I needed the money. And I'm knocking on doors in a housing estate selling loft insulation. And I got eight sales in my first week. And my dad went, you got what? I went, I was 16 years old. (laughs) And he went, how did you do that? I said, well, you know, they're going to save money. I just show them that this 300 pounds investment, they're going to get the money back within two and a half years. And then it's all gravy. And why wouldn't they do it? And he went, wow, okay, great. And then I realized even at 16, I had the knowledge that would make a difference in their life. And I didn't even realize it was sales. It was just very natural for me to knock on the door and help people save money. So if people, if, 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 you, if people come to the, 
table with like the help don't sell mentality. Mm. Sure, they'll buy from you if they're, if they're ready. Maybe they, they're not ready and that's okay. Just because you're ready to sell doesn't mean say they're ready to buy. But if you're ready to help and you have that right attitude, I love that no matter what the age. I get kids at my door wanting to clean my garage out, you know, sweep my drive, clear snow, clean out my gutters. And it's like, do I need this guy? No, but I love the spunk that he's knocked on my door and said, he's still covered in spots with greasy hair. And he's like, he's not an academic, but he can work. It's like, sure, buddy, you know, Here's a pile of trash. He needs to go to the garbage, you know, down, down the dump. Fill your truck and give them a break. And then they get confidence. So, but the fact that they knock on the door digitally or whatever and are willing to help, that's, that's, that's the start of it. You mentioned, you said a word there that I wanted to kind of focus on for a second, and that's confidence. And one, I've been running a, a mastermind group of my own recently, the Brand Design Masters Guild. And I was doing testimonials from my first group who are now the alumni of the first group. And in the testimonials, when I got to the end and asked them, what is the change in mindset that you are taking away from this experience in the guild that's going to last longer than this period of time that we had in the guild? The very first one of them I interviewed said confidence. And then the next one said confidence. And all nine, one after another, in you know the week and a half that I was interviewing people, came out with confidence. Confidence was not in the brochure. It is not how I promoted the group at all. But every one of them was talking about how much that group camaraderie and the support in the reflection of their decision-making process gave them confidence that's going to last longer. Do you see that in the mastermind groups and the the Uh, groups that you run? Yes, I do. I I substitute the word confidence for belief. Okay. What we try and do is help people believe in themselves Mm. and believe that their product is needed. But it's exactly the same scenario. It's like, if you're, and this is why the ice comes out of the price when you really believe who you are and what value you bring. It's not selling, it's help. It's like if someone falls over on the sidewalk in front of you and you go up to them and you offer a hand, say, hey, buddy, you okay? Do you need help? He said, no, no, I'm fine. You don't take offense and say, well, I offered him some help, but he didn't take it. It's like, okay, good. And you carry on. But if they say, sure, and, and you pull them up, say, hey, I have a band-aid, I have some polysporin, let's just cut, let's fix that cut. Great. If they don't want it, no, no problem. And I said, I say to people, offer your help. If they say no, it's not like, like go away and die in a hole and never come see me again. Or otherwise I'll, you know, I'll track you down and kill your mother. It's not that at all. And we, we get rejection you know, in such a weird place. It's just a, no, thanks. I'm fine. Or maybe it's a not yet. It's very rarely a no. And people have to realize that it's not rejection. It's just not the right time. And it, providing you close and you're confident and you make an offer and a lot of people forget to make the offer or they leave it too late. That's how, that, it's that, and that's that, if they believe in, as I say, if they believe in who they are and what they do and the difference it'll make, the sales process is, is tiny. Um, and that's what I help people with. And that's, that's what I know you do too. I love your, I love your analogy of falling down and needing some Neosporin and a Band-Aid and them saying, no, I don't need it. I'm fine. And then here's what happens. Then like, Two weeks later, they come back to you and it's infected and they're like, oh, I'm in a lot of pain. Things aren't going so well. Can you help me out now? And you're like, yeah, but now it's going to take longer to get better. And it's just like, yeah. And the price went up. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, the price, you're in the emergency room now and the price is a lot higher. (laughs) Um, Totally. Because, you know, Jonathan, you are so hooked into the social media milieu um, I like to talk to people about trends who are specialists in their in their industries. And so what is, what's hot? What are you seeing out there that's kind of like moving, changing, shaking that people should at least put their antenna up around to try to evaluate for themselves? Instagram stories. 
for me, Instagram stories, because I love that um, raw, what's going on in my day behind the scenes. That's what I get about businesses that I really appreciate. And most people, they can craft a great Facebook post, they can go to Canva, whatever, they can create a great graphic. People are done with graphics, you know, from a social feed perspective. They want the real. And, you know, you got to give the Cardassians something, you know, for creating this behind the scenes reality scenario, because everybody wants to know what's going on behind the scenes. And if businesses do that through their day, just going to a client meeting, wondering how it's going to go. I just nailed it. Going out for lunch with a friend that I haven't seen for ages. Gosh, we haven't been together since university. Oh, it's such a great time. Maybe there's a selfie with a person. I really feel that that's like giving people a pulse of your business. And they get, to, they get to follow you. They get to enjoy that journey. And, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm addicted, but that's my go-to place now is, is lining up the stories that I want to watch every day. And, and I get a great affinity for that business through the story. The other thing too is like LinkedIn. Give LinkedIn its due. It's trying really hard to be that professional's network without the fluff. But LinkedIn stories are coming out, LinkedIn Live for those people who are lucky to get it. But they are really creating their own ecosystem, which is actually very, very professional and very proud. And it's getting more media centric. So stories on Instagram, sorry, stories on Instagram, I should say, and um, really make sure that you showcase your work and you spend time talking to other people on LinkedIn. That's the strategy that works right now. Excellent. Excellent. Great advice. Um, so I always kind of end my interviews by asking all my, uh, my guests a particular question. And that question is, do you have a mantra or some sort of personal manifesto that you try to live your life by? Yeah. And, you know, I have several core beliefs in my life. But when you asked me that question and I thought about it a lot, you know, it, the one that came straight to me was like, what would my dad do? Hmm. And that's kind of an odd thing. But he was he bought the business from my grandfather. Uh, it was A.S. Christian and it became A.S. Christian and son. And then myself and my brother worked for my dad and it was an island community. He was very, very loyal customer base, very well respected in the business world. My dad was a Freemason and he didn't even sell central heating oil to the Masonic temple, even though central heating oil was his business because it wasn't about business. It was about him, whatever club, rotary, whatever it might've been. And I appreciated that about my dad more than anything else. It was people before profit. Mm. And, uh, and I think social media now, we've come to full circle like 50 years. I mean, we're back to relationship selling because we're not meeting people anymore. You're a reputation matters more than anywhere. And I often think, and I, I worked with my dad for years and he died about five years ago, but um, bless him. But I just like, what would my dad do? And invariably those old customer service values from the 60s and 70s, which is how I grew up, still hold true today. And uh, I think a lot of people have forgotten those. I think that is very, very well said. What would my dad do? I love that. Um, and I wrote down, we are back to relationship selling because I, I think that is brilliant. It is the absolute dichotomy of digital presence, but digital has given us that opportunity to be incredibly personal, which I think is an incredible insight. Yes. So Jonathan, where can people find you? What, you know, where would you like people to connect with you? Well, as the t-shirt says, um, hashtag make stuff happen. We, we don't trademark it and we can't, we're not Nike, but um, pretty much almost every post has that hashtag in it if you want to try and find us on a, a social platform. But we make stuff happen.com is the epicenter of uh, the, the agency. JonathanChristian.com is my you know, personal speaker site. Um, yeah, wherever you are on the, on the web, you'll find me. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if anyone needs some, you know, wants to get involved in a mastermind or an online bootcamp for their business or is looking for a consultant who really knows the social media stuff, I can absolutely um, 
attest to Jonathan's expertise. So Jonathan, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, we'll hope to have, have you again on in the future. Oh, I look forward to that. And thanks for having me. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.